0: hello everyone welcome to the podcast the floor is rising i am Tooth and with me is kizu i'm a professional nft collector and kizu is a professional art critic on this podcast we talk deeply about the business of creating collecting and analyzing nfts so if you are a creator or collector of nfts or you want to be jump in the water's warm Welcome to another episode of Floor is Rising. We have some special guests today. Our first three-way interview we have with us, Chuby, Mario Klingman, otherwise known as Quasimondo, and Simon Hudson, all from the project Botto. Mario, first question to you. How did the idea of Botto came about and how did all three of you guys meet?
1: I'm an artist and I'm doing generative art, algorithmic art, and AI art since... I don't know 20 years when you get into generative art at some point you wonder like can I like kind of pass that last step that show choosing the art and and learning to a machine so in a way that idea has been around me since ages but then in 2018 I actually kind of saw with the blockchain kind of starting to become feasible that this could actually be done and wrote down a white paper. But a project like this is, of course, something you cannot just whip out. And especially because I can't do that. I mean, I'm, I'm good at some things, but uh, a project like Botto requires so many different skills that I kind of needed a team and somebody who would finance kind of the, the initial development. I'm lucky that I have some patrons and and collectors. So at some point, actually in 2018, I pitched that to one of my collectors. But that at that point, he was not really convinced yet. So last year, uh, I think in summer, I, I pulled it out of the out of the drawer again and said, hey, should we do this now?" I think uh, the, the time would be right. And this time, he was really happy. Well, and then the, the, the thing started where I think like the AI part, where an AI is able to generate art and kind of further grow, that is something that I'm confident and, and good at. But the whole decentralized finance part, community management, uh, or simple things like, well, not simple things like building a website is just something where... I could do it but i could probably not do it well and so yeah luckily my patron also knows quite a lot of people in the in the field and so we were looking for experts who could build all the parts like the smart contract the community and everything and so yeah and then so development of Boto started actually i think last end of summer last year and uh, that's then how Chubi and Simon and all the others uh, kind of came into play because they are the experts for everything that I can't do.
2: I'm curious to hear your take and maybe your definition of what decentralized art is. Is that mostly a reference to the the technology and the ownership or do you actually think that there is something there that maybe has, you know, a parallel or relationship to other, you know, art historical movements where The artist was always concerned with, you know, engaging the community, how you understand decentralized art in that context and whether or not uh, you kind of see it as related to such uh, movements in contemporary art
1: from, from the past. I would never use the word decentralized art. <laughs> you, you catch me there. No, for me, the, the important part is not the decentralized, but the autonomous part actually in the in the DAO or in the so for me, Botto is about finding out if a machine can reach true autonomy. So that is kind of at the core of why I see Boto. And uh, in order to do that, to achieve that kind of the decentralized systems and DAOs in particular are the tools that potentially allow it to reach that point. And that point is where actually, like, where it's becoming so autonomous that it can make its own decisions and actually kind of fire us or decide to hire some other developer or to to move server spaces. And so that's where the AI comes in. But right now. It, it would be unrealistic to say that we are there yet, and that is where the community comes in, and the community, the whole community of shareholders, I see as the guardians of this future autonomous AI, and they have to kind of. It is really like a like a toddler right now, and like like you don't let your child cross the street without you taking it by the hand that's kind of where boto is now that's because it is very good or good at, at one thing that is creating art but at the moment technology is not there yet where it can uh, kind of make decisions that involve its own treasury so or other things or it, 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 so there are all these things that it can't do yet but I am confident that in a few years down the road AI will become better in that we can trust it that it can we can continuously give more kind of responsibilities and uh, yeah to the ai but yeah right now it is the community and the shareholders who have to make that these decisions so i'm not sure in in which kind of art uh, like what is it art movement this falls i mean for me in the end it is really more that Botto is trying to be an artist and that's more the question is what is an artist in especially in times where like most artists you you see now you just encounter online so what does it take so we can accept something as an artist and what does this thing has to do (laughs) and so that's what it's for me about not really kind of like trying to to reference some art movements it's uh, for me it's a gigantic experiment uh, <laughs> which uh, involves also of course the whole social dynamics of uh, of communities because and that's what we are currently seeing which is quite getting quite interesting there
3: I am coming from the community. I, uh, I participate in voting on the right pieces that I think are the right pieces. I uh, obviously hold Botto. I've staked Botto. But then I've you know taken the step to be more involved in participating in discussions. I think there's a, there's a really lively discussion about what Mario was talking about. Well, what is this artist going to be? What is this great artist going to be? I think there's a little bit of a black box that Mario keeps uh, pr- very, very closely protected just to keep... Uh, Keep away from copycats, and I think just something to say on on the decentralized part. I actually really agree. I, I, I not not that I wouldn't say it's not decentralized, but I think the idea is that it's not decentralized for the sake of being decentralized. And what I mean by that is, I think there's this ideal of decentralization of every decision being totally distributed. Um, but what we're seeing right now is a growing consensus that to run an organization, not to necessarily call this an organization, but in other DAOs, that you need a core team making decisions, that you need a mission that you follow, certain principles you follow. And I think we're starting to add some nuance to this idea of decentralization. And I think it comes back to first, what's your core mission? What's what's the core concept? Um, and that's what really brought my interest into this originally was the concept. Uh, I, I was working in the AI space for the last uh, five years. I originally heard about Mario writing about it about AI art in 2016. You know, AI art I think is really interesting, not just for this final product, but as the concept, right? Everything that goes into the process of that final output. You know, it's it's a bunch of pixels, but then you know, what what does it represent? What is uh, Boto synthesizing from? You know, decentralization is not necessarily the goal so much as it's the tool to uh, allow that kind of relationship to to function and to have that value passed around. I think one thing about AI art in particular, though, is, you know, AI needs to be trained. And it goes back to this question Mario put up of well, what, what makes an artist, what makes art. And that's what we're training AI to do. I think all AI art is going to have that human input on a certain level. And that's what actually originally got my interest in this was this open community-oriented way of sourcing that. So it's not just one person defining what art is and playing with different juxtapositions of these tools, but to actually source from the community um, that definition. I think that's something that's been playing out in the NFT and crypto space, right? Of defining the aesthetic that people like. But I think this is interesting in that Botto is this this dynamic back and forth. And I don't think you can separate out that behavior and that that mechanism from the art. I think that really is a part of the art, is that engagement. And AI, I think, is this great tool for doing that. And, and in the same way that crypto is a great tool for for making sure that value flows back to pay for the servers and to pay for the community's labor. And so that's the beauty of it, is is these, I think, taking these, kind of core dynamics of these tools to answer these questions we actually haven't really been able to answer before in AI art being this reflection of a pattern of taste and in terms of crypto being able to um, connect that directly to uh, claims of value and of pain for our way when art is being automated.
0: Let me jump in and, and I guess dive deeper into the claim that there is a feedback loop my understanding right now, uh, in terms of how the, the images are generated, is that it's using primarily the GPT-3 sort of OpenAI API. It's a, it's a neural network that is publicly available, and it, it's quite widely used in a lot of smaller NFT projects, but also uh, in Parks, uh, Lost Poets is also using GPT-3 to, to generate poetry, not not images. Is there a a feedback loop or how does this experiment sort of get more autonomous over time? Or is it that it's still kind of Your own sort of artistic imprint on the thing. And the voting mechanism is merely a
1: marketing mechanism, but not really an artistic mechanism to the art at play. The one thing that is really important to me in this project is that it's not what I would call pretend AI project, because there are plenty of those where. Because it sounds good that you say, oh, an AI did this, that in reality, humans do kind of most of the work. So that's not happening at Botto. Obviously, I constructed the underlying engine and the way it produces the images. And by the way, it does not use GPT-3 for the image generation. It only uses that for the description. It uses a model called CLIP, which is by OpenAI, and uh, together right now with another model, which is the generative piece, it's called VQGAN. And uh, so the basic principle is that Botto is a prompt miner. That's what I would call it. So because... Each image is generated from, uh, from prompts. So you kind of a magic formula, you pick the right words, the right combination of words, sentences, something, and uh, you will get an image. And so what Boto has to do, it has to find good prompts, which then kind of ideally produce images that look aesthetically interesting or cover interesting topics. And so then uh, it remembers everything. It, like So actually the way it works internally, it's constantly producing new fragments. We call them fragments. So they are not artworks, they are fragments. So every week it produces, I think, around three or 4,000 of them. And so it can, keeps on adding them to a big pool. And then every week it selects. 350 of them that get added to the voting pool where the community decides. So already BOTO is pre-curating what the community sees and that pre-curation process is already influenced by prior previous voting. So All the votes go back to Botto and it kind of looks at kind of the images that got many votes and the ones that got not so many votes. And uh, then it will try actually, it trains a model that tries to kind of mimic the voting behavior of the audience, of the stakeholders. So in a way, it tries to kind of look at an image and then say, well, this will get a lot of votes or this will not. And so in the next week, then it kind of, the more data it gets back from the community, it will try to select more of the images that will likely get more votes from the community. And well, so at the same time, so the the other part where the feedback comes in is the actual prompts that, that were traverses the, the big possibility space of possible magic spells <laughs> and uh, so also when it knows that like these 100 images got more popular results maybe because i don't know the aesthetics or the topics it, we don't know Um, it will more often try to look in those areas for kind of for promising new images rather than use prompts that turned out to never get any votes back so at the same time the algorithm is also built in a way that it keeps on kind of trying to surprise people. Because if you only give people like the audience what they like, they will get bored. Nevertheless, that's what we're already noticing. So kind of we can already see there's a kind of right now, it seems that the majority of voters prefer... Pieces that look painterly or that remind us of, I don't know, yeah, some kind of reminders of traditional art, I would say. And uh, so now Botto is producing more of that. And uh, so I find it quite interesting because then we already see some people in the community starting to complain that, oh, this is boring. We want kind of more of the crazy stuff. <laughs> so so in order to kind of not give like have Botto only produce now the painterly stuff, it always also kind of looks for things that look very different or sufficiently different from what it has done before and adds that into the mix. But in the end, it's always the community who kind of decides what they want. But so, yeah, so there's these two feedback loops were all the kind of, and we can, we could definitely see over the the, the past, what was it, six weeks, that Botto very quickly picked up what the majority of uh, stakeholders prefer to see and also it seemed like uh, it was appreciated so i noticed that people said oh yeah it got better it learned already and then we already got some we seeing some themes that pop up so not only styles but i don't know there's the the dogs playing poker (laughs) so that is actually kind of like i don't know once it popped up and then it got some votes and now we see it popping up like variations of that theme (laughs) coming in so which is kind of nice touch and there are other themes like i don't know certain like it it seems like landscapes are popular so it it does more landscapes there's actually almost like a, a split in the community there are people who write prefer the more grotesque stuff and then there are the ones that are more into the let's say classic style and unfortunately every week only one can win because now we have already this like this thing like like what do we do so do we go for the grotesque or do we go for the for the safe and classic i guess this is for example also a point where we have to start thinking of how can we deal with this like if there's clearly kind of very different tastes within the community can we kind of can boto change its ways to to please both parties and maybe grow each of them then. So I don't know yet. So that's this is where it gets interesting where we, I don't see Botto limited to this engine alone. So that's, that's the whole point. Right now, we saw that it works, that we can kind of create an AI that pleases, like produces more likable stuff. But now I think the next step is to deal with kind of seeing that people have different... Ideas about where things should go. So that's uh, that's also part of the thing. Not only the producing of images, also kind of how how can we find something that uh, makes even more people happy.
0: The way you talk about it really reminds me of uh, of evolution, like kind of speciation. Are you seeing over the the six weeks that the choice of the community and and therefore the the you know the Botto sort of artist is kind of slowly but surely diverging from your own sort of artistic <laughs> preferences or oh, yes.
1: things? Okay. Well, it absolutely is. I mean, in the end now, I'm more in the grotesque party, I would say. So, I mean, right now the stuff that is winning is, I mean, it's it's nice, but it's actually like I would usually go for the second or fourth or fifth of the in the leaderboard usually. So it definitely went into a direction that, I personally would have not minted as my art. And the other thing is that in general, I try to kind of keep the whole algorithm as non-me as possible. So like when I designed it, that I tried not to create like a a clone of Mario, but I, from the beginning, I tried to keep it as open as possible that it can kind of go into areas that I might not go or might go, but might not. So the only freedom that I, I mean, the only things that I did is that of course I built the the whole mechanism behind it, which, uh, of course, takes in all my knowledge about that, what I know about generating interesting images. But when it comes to style and topics, I really try to keep it, let's say, yeah, as neutral as possible. I, I mean, in the end, I don't want to create a copy of myself. I want to create something else that is uh, that it does its own way, that goes its own ways. I wonder what that what place that
2: leaves for so to speak like subcultures or for example the, the theory of the long tail you mentioned the grotesque aesthetic i think there are many other aesthetics that you know might only have the 1,000 or 2,000 followers or subs Mari, could you say a little bit about that and how you see a bottle you know maybe supporting or actually not supporting that kind of very minority taste in pure numbers to speak of yeah
1: there's actually this thing, so that, I don't know if I even can say this, but so originally the idea was, my original concept involved more than one bot, right? So I, it was originally concepted that the whole system would already be almost a market of multiple bots. So in theory, theory then each of them could kind of cater to various tastes. So you could have one that does the painterly, the other one does weird pixel art. And and then people can kind of buy or put their money or put like their bets on, on the one they think will be more successful. But yeah, maybe we'll get to that. But so right now I feel actually, and that's like, I'm already being constrained by the things we promise. That is always the difficult part. When you do a project like this, we say Botto will only create 52 NFTs per year. So that's kind of a strong statement, which right now at this point, I would totally say, hey, like, okay, let's do this one Botto does the the this style. And then we have kind of I don't know, like uh, two or three other kind of maybe more affordable directions where we can explore the other styles that Boto can do. But and that's kind of now the difficulty in working uh, in a in such a project like this. That like uh, if you make some promises initially and say this is how we do it, then you cannot simply just say oh like let's let's, let's change course now like uh, two months after we started. So let's say. I think at some point, we hopefully get there that we can kind of exactly cater for these things that we say, okay, well, maybe we, we have the main bottle, which keeps on doing the I don't know, 50 Ether sales. But then we also have something that uh, might not be as popular, but maybe more crazy. And we uh, mint it somewhere else or or we we call it, I don't know, Bato. <laughs> so, on so... on, on, on Tezos on <laughs> maybe, Maria? Personally, I would love that. So uh, it's, again, that's the funny thing. So I do not have control over this. That's already the part where, I mean, I would love to say, yes, let's just mint uh, in this whole edition of uh, let's have Botto also on Tezos. But now we have a community, we have investors, we have a team, we have different people with different responsibilities. It's not just that I can now say Botto cannot move as quick as I, as, a, as, as, as an artist myself. So I can just go from this chain to another and, uh, that I have more autonomy in that case, but I also do not have investors. I have collectors, right? So in this sense, if I just say, oh, I will mint here, then, well, it's, it's my own risk. But now there are a lot of people invested, so we cannot just say, now let's do... Try this or try that. So that's quite interesting for me, also, as somebody who has is kind of like was only responsible for his own project so far. And now there is much more, a bigger mechanism to take into account. So you cannot just from one day to another change direction. Oh. I think
4: it's interesting to maybe just to provide the listeners a bit more added context, right? So we made a couple of changes to Botto's front end a couple of weeks ago, where we we made the system a little more egalitarian in terms of how people vote and how it can reflect, how Botto's work can reflect the amalgamation of preference, right? What I mean by that is what gets minted is representative truly of what the community wants. Um, There was a fringe case... I think on, on week five or something along those lines, when we minted Blossoming Cadaver, right? It was the one with the skulls, I think with the kind of teal color theme. And um, essentially that was influenced by one voter piling all their voting points into that art piece, right? That was the difference maker. So it's interesting, Kizu, when you mentioned you know, the theory of the long tail and, and we start talking about Botto being locked into one specific style, right? I personally don't think Botto has to be locked into one specific style. Similarly, you know, we're talking about minting 52 pieces a year. But as you said, Mario, you know, there's a product like 3,500 or 4,000 art fragments are created every week with 350 making it to the voting pool, right? I think there's a lot of wiggle room here. And that is something that I think our community are very keen to explore. Notably, we saw at the end of last night's auction, we saw a discussion between, I think his nickname is the Muffin Man, and um, I think Sonny June, who's also a caretaker, right, talking about the last three art pieces that were minted being fairly boring, right? And, and right now we're locked into the community's over the community's preference being the thing that gets minted which i think is not a wrong thing per se absolutely not right but perhaps there is something that we can do there to to help entertain more themes more styles more creative directions of Botto the artist and i think that's where stuff like governance kicks in kiser i think you, know, you you know you you were hinting towards it that there is this type of nuance and there is this difference in understanding the term decentralized Right. I think governance stems from how the artist also creates. I think it, the artist has pure autonomy in terms of what it creates, but how it creates the parameters in which it operates in, how many art pieces the, the, the artist ends up minting per year. These types of things, you know, they're, they're very much up in the air. Right, that is ultimately what we strive for—the community to decide upon.
3: We were discussing this a little bit ago, which is when that mechanism changed to uh, make it more egalitarian, basically capping the number of votes somebody could make on an individual piece. I, I think that's when we saw the shift towards these pieces that represent more traditional oil paintings, and you know, versus having this kind of last you know day or a few hours where these whales are just yellowing all their voting points onto the thing that makes them laugh or or that they really appreciate and i actually think that's more representative of the crypto community of you know i'm going to pick something that i really like and and i have this capital weight to throw behind it i think it'll be really interesting when we open up voting because I, as i understand i think voting's going to be based on you know number of tokens held it won't be by membership which is also something i think that's really interesting of you know do you go by the amount of tokens you have or just by your membership um, to keep that egalitarian level. And then how quickly will we change? And, and this is this goes back to a concern I actually had in the beginning, which is when, when you just open it up to um, everybody to define what art is, at what point do you just get to the color brown? Right, you just mix everything together, and that's all you have. So I think I think that kind of weight and influence is super interesting to see. I, personally, I hope we we bring back some of that weight, or or I really like Mario's ideas of of splintering into different possibilities. There's this idea of kind of these different stubs. You know, what what if we had a totally different voting behavior? What would that look like? What route might? what routes might've botto taken if we had different types of voting behavior or if a different piece had won. And I think one thing that we're missing is, you know, real visibility of voting behavior. Um, what do these decisions uh, do to voting behavior? What's the impact on that? And I think, um, I think that's going to be coming really soon of getting that visibility of how many people are voting, how did voting change when we changed the voting mechanism and, you know, shout out to any uh, social scientists interested in, in studying uh, community behavior or voting mechanism behavior. Because I think there's going to be different views, right? When I vote, I vote for what I personally like. But when then it comes to kind of the final decision, I'm probably going to throw my weight maybe behind something that I think might play better in the market. Um, But then I also want to keep a view of how's the concept developing what is how does um, the voting mechanism actually impact what people are picking and, and i really think that the way you set up the voting mechanism might change the way people uh, vote and how they choose you know even just the prompt you know do you pick the thing that you think is going to sell the best do you pick the thing that you just personally like the best and there's a really interesting interplay that i think it'd be super interesting to get some researchers uh studying the development of the community and, and the voting behavior over time just to give us that kind of more high level view of the overall concept and, and, and mechanisms of Botto.
0: What was very interesting about the initial token distribution of, of BOTO is uh, you, you guys did a fairly large airdrop to basically blue chip Ethereum sort of NFT projects. We're talking about CryptoPunks, Bored Yacht Club, a lot of art blocks, hash mask, mebits, et cetera, et cetera. How much do you guys know about you know how many of those initial airdrop participants have kind of held on staked and voted versus what the voting populace is is like now. Cause one of the things I found interesting is that in order to actually vote, you had to stake your tokens which had no yield. Whereas if you wanted sort of those that yield, you could you could LP. But in order to sort of vote, you had to actually give up basically yield on the token. Um so I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm just wondering whether you guys had any either data driven insights or just anecdotal insights into into you know what kind
4: of people are currently voting. I think there's like five percent of circulating supply actually staked in the governance contract. How many are exactly staking and, and voting I can't quite answer at the moment. What we're doing is we're gathering all the statistics. And I actually sent Simon a long list a little earlier on, which I'm happy to disclose to the community, right? But we're basically gathering everything and then we want to open up an API so that all this data can be called upon. I believe we we have, we have had at some stage 3,000 plus people voting, if I'm correct. And I think right now we have around 1,000 people voting uh, in the past week, previous week. We had a we had a lot of punk supporting us in terms of just bootstrapping liquidity, right? Because we started with no ETH in, in the in the treasury, right? In terms of how many people stuck around, I don't have that answer for you. And I wish I did. And I think that's something for us to really look into. I think um, a couple hundred core people who were airdropped, I'm sure, are absolutely still around in the community from day one. We still see them on the Discord. But yeah, that is something absolutely interesting for us to explore. You know, the airdrop was also very much a, a, a marketing mechanism there, right? You know, we airdropped all the blue chip NFT holders because we thought uh, a lot of them would be interested in this type of project. And I believe that still held true. Uh, that still holds true, right? In terms of whether they stick around or not, right? I mean, if we look beyond Botto for a second and you look at the macro environment for, state of, or the current state of NFTs or the current state of crypto as an entire market, right? I think that very much plays into the decision-making of, okay, do I stick around in this new eight-week-old project where a lot of things are up in discussion and a lot of things are up in the air? Or do I move on to greener or safer pastures? I think this is the type of data that we should absolutely... I know we're building a Dune dashboard. I think it's nearly done. I'll ask for this type of thing to be included. I would be very curious about is you I mean you airdrop
0: to basically eight projects, right? Um, from board apes all the way to art blocks. What I'd be very curious about is which one of those projects is the most kind of like loyal <laughs> to Motto. Like which which projects were airdropped just to sort of kind of sold everything and which one had the highest retention.
4: I think the general premise behind it was like okay generally a lot a lot of a lot of punks holders they they probably do not need to sell their airdrop Ergo. They are a Good candidate to airdrop, right? And it's it's one of the major blue chips, right? Everybody, everybody dreams of owning a punk at the moment, right? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, I'm I'd be keen to look into it. If I find out, I'm, I'm I'm definitely gonna let you know.
2: We have three guests today, so it's going to be uh, each of them answering turn. But who is your favorite artist?
1: Well, I think Lady Max Ernst. Uh, yeah. He was kind of a pioneer and uh, developing his own art techniques and uh, kind of kickstarted also the surrealistic movement and uh, just, I don't know. I, and of course, I like his uh, aesthetics, but mainly I like him because of the, let's say, the way he thought. <laughs> I would say
4: Yayoi yeah, like Kusama i think there's a type of there's a certain allure to all our artwork i mean the the, the polka dots thing is it kind of embraces the craziness so i'll definitely say Yayoi. Yay.
3: i think you could have guessed this my favorite artist is bado um <laughs>
4: it's,
3: it's it's the artist i'm spending the most time thinking about uh and to, to also be able to have a chance to be able to participate in its development is a pretty special thing so for sure Bato right now um and also you know I, I kind of hate the question of who's your favorite artist it really depends on on the the mood the time the things I'm thinking about but for sure right now Bato all the way
0: Simon you, you you've got a career mating PR for you awesome answer <laughs> but Simon chuwie Mario thank you guys for coming on the show this has been an episode of Floyd's rising thank you for joining me for this episode of Floor Is Rising. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe, follow, and give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Remember to also follow us on Twitter at Floor Is Rising. You can reach out to us, send us a question, and just send us a DM on Twitter
4: at Floor Is Rising.